Hello, everyone. I realize we're 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 clunking through this, uh, but thank you guys for for coming in and for sticking around uh, while we fight we fight the beast that is my toaster. Um, thank you guys for coming in tonight. <clears throat> it's it's a Monday, that's for sure. It is certainly a Monday. It doesn't seem like uh, really anything is coming together and anything is working out right. But we are here, and that's what's important, right? Um, <clears throat> doesn't look like Facebook, or I apologize, not Facebook. Periscope wants to play along, so as usual, Periscope um, doesn't want to play with us, doesn't want to enjoy my whiteness, or whatever it is, whatever their reasons. Um, but nonetheless, here we are. You guys are here, and it looks like everything is just bogged down. Let me know if you guys can can you can you see this, babe? Are you able to see this? Um, you guys, what are you guys able to see? I'm I'm showing a big giant black screen. Nah, all right. Looks like it's working. It's working on your guys' end at least, because I've got you guys showing up at mine. Um, but you can see it. Perfect. All right, that'll work out. So as long as we got it in one one area, I guess we'll have to. It'll it'll have to make do. Um, thank you guys. If this is your first time checking in with me, um, which it might be, uh, probably due to the fact that this is the very second time that I've been here on Muddy Waters Media. So thank you for Muddy Waters Media for allowing me to come on here and to uh, speak my truth and to, and to spread the beard, if you will. Um, if you guys don't know me, I am uh, your neighborhood local friendly libertarian residing in the upstate of South Carolina. And uh, we talk about politics and social issues going on across this country and sometimes even around the world. Um, and, and we talk about these in the way of the individual. How do we empower the individual? How do we give you the power? Because obviously when the government takes these powers, um, when they when they take uh, control, it's never in our interest. It, it has never been in our interest in, in previous times, and it won't be in, in our interests uh, anytime soon. So speaking truth to the power on that uh, is, is always important. Um, Tonight, I've, I've got two local issues, two big things that are coming up in uh, in South Carolina. So if you are a South Carolinian, uh, this is going to be something that affects you um, directly, these two bills that I'm going to be talking about. As for if you're not from South Carolina, does this affect you? Yes, absolutely, because this is something that uh, hopefully I'll be able to inspire you to, to talk to your legislators, talk to your members of the House or Senate um, in order to endorse it and advocate for it and to make a change um, because we are our own keepers and while we have the keepers of the government while they're still in power we should be fighting in order to make it better for us uh, fight today for a better tomorrow uh, the first one I want to talk about is actually uh, school choice School choice. So education is obviously something important. And if you guys know anything about South Carolina's education system, we are always at the rock bottom. We are 48th, 49th, um, right there, dead last. Not a good time um, to be living in South Carolina. You just you're not going to be um, you're not going to be living the high life, if you will. Um, it's it's going to be a struggle. So we are trying to push for school choice here. Now, what do, what is school choice? School choice is instead of having your geographical location determine where you go to school and determine um, what kind of an education you get from there, school choice gives you the parents 
the choice on where your child attends. Um, there's there's many different ways that this has been utilized across the country because there are states that have already gotten on board with the idea of school choice. Um, you have some school choices in which you have government-ran committees um, where the government basically takes the power from the legislators and says, we're going to give it to this committee, and the committee does as it pleases. Um, sure, you're taking it a step away from your legislators. There, It may be a little more beneficial. It may be a little more helpful, um, but the end result is a negligible change not much of a change but there is some change and it is it, it is fruitful for the little bit of change that we get the other idea and and the better idea i would say is to move that to a private right move it to the people um the reason why i'm bringing up both of these is because right now in south carolina in our house we actually have um we actually have people pushing for both of these bills at the same time. And what we're seeing is we're seeing, um, for those of you unfamiliar of the South Carolinian uh, politics, we are ran by Republicans. It is Republicans and Republicans, a couple more Republicans, and then you got like one or two Democrats. So Republicans galore, um, but we still have crappy everything because it's not just Democrats that are problems. It is the Republicans just as well. Um, and so... The Republicans have put out a bill that is for the government to run this, and some of the um, some of the entities that are supposed to be there for the people, for the prosperity of people, for the betterment of the people, for individual liberty, they've gone on board with this too because there's a lot of money going into this. Right? You can you can expect um, the coffers and the and and uh, the big big spenders. Uh, to be out there supporting something to where they can get a little blowback, they can a little get a little uh, little refund, if you will, from the uh, from the money that they've put into this. And the other bill, the one that I think is much more proper, which is being pushed uh, by a couple of friends of mine. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say the nepotism is what's providing this, but just merely my bias of of government sucks, and so get the government out of it as quickly as possible. Um, they're advocating that we have effectively, right? So of the money that would normally follow your child, um, because schools are, are paid based on how many children are in attendance. When you give the, um, you would have a panel, you'd have a committee that's private, um, and then they would be helping delegate and helping set up these systems to where you would have parents that are homeschooling, they would get 80% of the money that would have, otherwise gone to the schools that the child would have gone to. And you, you can set these up and structure these up to where it's not a, a huge hurdle to go through. Um, you're just not relying upon the government nearly as much. Um, and and the whole idea is, is to bring more freedom, to, to bring a better competition and bring better ideas. Um, when you have the school system as we have now, the government says, we're going to put in this school here, whatever education you get, it's going to be within the standardized thing, and um, it, it's going to be standardized, and so all your kids are going to be tested on the same things, and if it's a crappy school, you have to move in order to get there. So give them school choice. Now we're getting to the point where private versus public school choice, which one's the better one? Obviously, when we look at private schooling versus public schooling, 
Private schooling is always beating that out. So public schooling is government. Private schooling is is by the communities. So that would also be the same thing for these committees. Move it down to the people. Allow the people to have the power. Allow the people to have that control. Um, the bill that um, is being ran, for those of you in South Carolina that are interested, there is one that's got a lot of, of Republican um, support. And this one is called H3681, not named. Uh the bill's number is H3681. Um, you guys can check that one out. There are lots of sponsors, including uh, Erickson, Elliott, Stringer. That was, that was my old one. Um, Scott Tile, Davis, Fry, Clemens, Long, Bennett, Thayer, Burns, Hale, Taylor. Right. The, the, the list goes on and on. There's there's plenty of legislators out there. And, and to give you guys a, a quick visual... Right, I hope you guys can see this. To give you guys a quick visual as to how many times committee is written, right? So we have committee one, we have committee two, we have committee three, committee four, committee uh, committee five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-three. 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29. I, it just keeps going, right? The committees are there. The committee has all of this power. And and can you guys guess? Can you guys guess who's going to have control over the committee? Who's going to be able to establish these committees? Who's going to be putting these committee members into power? Of course, it's the same legislators right now that are already destroying our, our education system here. This is literally just putting a new mask, putting a new face and hoping that the insanity doesn't happen. We are trying the same things and expecting different results. I hope South Carolina is going to wake up to this. I hope that this is a way that we can propel South Carolina to have a better education system, to be on the, the on the on the front lines of of breaking through with a better system and that is by allowing the people themselves to be able to um, have much more say and much more control in it rather than allowing our corrupt uh, politicians here in South Carolina run those things. Um, so that's that's the big one for school choice. So that's the big overview. Um, I hope I'm able to relay that information in a way that you guys are picking it up. Um, I got I to gotta leave that page. That page is killing me. Um, I apologize, guys, if it's lagging tonight. I know my computer's lagging as all get out. Um, certificate of need. All right, so the, the second topic that I wanted to bring up to you guys, this is something that is actually affecting 36 states. But right now in South Carolina, um, we have... We have legislation that's going through this week, and it really needs anyone and everyone's support here in South Carolina in order to help make a change. Um, what this bill is about, and, and I'm pulling up the actual uh, bill um, as we speak, but this bill is about changing what a certificate of need or removing the certificate of need when it comes to our healthcare systems. So back in the early 80s, I believe it was around the time of Reagan, um, if, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, it might have been around the time of COBRA even, um, they, the federal government put in place something called a certificate of need. Now what a certificate of need is, is basically a healthcare provider or a facility wants to expand and add in, let's say they want to add um, you know, breast cancer 
a breast cancer wing to be able to help provide care for the women in the area who may have breast cancer. So they want to be able to provide this to those people. And so they have to go to the government and say, hey, government, I would like to provide this. I need to expand out my, my, my current facility, and I would like to be able to provide the service of, of helping out with those women who have um, breast cancer. Now, the government's going to take its time. It's going to take in its fines and fees, and it's going to mull it over for a little bit. And if that was the end of it, right, we, we, it wouldn't be nearly as atrocious as what it is. But say there's another facility in the next town over, and that facility says, hey, 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 I give breast cancer treatment already. I provide that service. We don't, there's no need for this second facility to provide it. I do plenty. Sorry, it was, it was 1974, so I was wrong. It was during Health Planning Resource Development Act, 1974, not 83. Um, and, and so the, the second provider goes, no, 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 we don't need them. There's no, there's, no, there's no necessity there for them to come in and start providing this when it's already being provided to the public. I'm, I'm a fantastic monopoly, and I can do it uh, quite well. And so there's lawsuits that come in and they sit there in court and they go through this and and thankfully here in South Carolina not a single one has been denied but how many how many facilities were never erected right because this isn't just new or old facilities that are trying to branch out this is also the new guys right all right no one's really doing well when it comes to surgeries um for back surgery so i want to i want to open up a facility well you got to go put in the certificate of need now you have the competitors the competitors can can challenge you on your um on how necessary it is for you to join into this business or into this market so now you have you're literally allowing the government to be the third party and allow a second party to be able to, to put in enough hurdles to where it becomes extremely um, long for the process to come through. There was um, down in the low county of South Carolina, um, there was actually a 12-year 12 12-year 12 court battle over a company being able to come in and, and build to to erect a new facility and to be able to provide health care for, for the, the people around it, for the citizens around it. Now, in the meantime, there was a pseudo-monopoly. So it took 12 years for a competitor to come up, and we wonder why in this country. We wonder why in this country our health care bills are so high. Well, when you run a monopoly, there's no one there to ensure that your wages, your costs, your your quality are are not being competitive or or being to the advantage of the consumer right when you have just two entities providing it it is exponentially better than just one because now if if company a wants to be able to provide and company b is providing a better service company a either has to s uh, drop the price or raise the quality or both to be able to take customers from from company b and and you have this battle where the the prices are dropping the quality is rising the the customers are happier and and everyone's winning because that's how competition works but because we have certificate of needs as a requirement in 36 states and South Carolina included we wonder why healthcare sucks it's not because 
it's not because the free market has failed us. Like what you'll see from a lot of uh, Democrats, Democratic socialists, um, even from Republicans. It's not that at all. It's that government has been in the way, putting hurdles, putting obstacles, putting mountains in front of the people and going, yeah, uh, uh, it must be it must be that free market. It must be the you guys just aren't able to do this very well. But it's another example of the government standing staunchly in the way of of the consumer, of the people, of its citizens. It is it is. I hope that this would be another event in which uh, more people are waking up to the idea that the government is not there in our best interest. Government is there in the best interest of their voters. And, and by their voters, I mean, what can I do? What is the least amount that I can do and the most that I can say in order to guarantee my job comes back again when, when you go to pull that lever again? What is the least amount that I can do while saying I'm going to do as much as I can for you to come back and vote for me. If you the 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 problem when it comes to government, the big problem when it comes to government is the fact that they are sitting in there and they can't solve the problems because when they solve problems, they're no longer of use. They're no longer of value. So what do we have to do in order to wake these people up and say, get the hell out, out of our way? We have better ideas than you. We should have more control over our lives than you. And and really, when it comes down to it, you got to vote libertarian. I know I know. there's so many radical libertarians. I know there's, there's libertarians out there saying, uh, vote for me and I'll arm the homeless. Maybe you don't go for that guy. But go for the, go for the guy that's sitting there and saying, hey. I just want you to have more freedom. I want you to have more control. I want you to have better competition. I want you to have a better life, and that means that I have to get out of your way. Moving that way in life, moving that way politically, it doesn't it doesn't put government on the advantage. It doesn't make them it puts them down, right? If we look at their approval ratings, where they're at right now at about 11% approval ratings, if we were to take the powers that they've taken from us and you 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 bring that down to that 11% to their approval ratings. Their approval ratings will skyrocket first off because now they've got less a lot less authority and they can they can actually maintain the one one or two things that they do, but uh your life, every one of our lives will be exponentially better. So when you guys are going out and you guys are looking at, at who the, you know, I don't know, the 2020 presidential uh, nominees, when you come here on Thursday night and you're listening to Matt Wright for the writer's block and he's got on, oh, geez, I just forgot his name. Uh, if you, if you go on there on Thursday night and you come and check out Matt Wright, he's got Dan Berman. Dan Berman is the 2020 Libertarian Party presidential hopeful. He will hopefully be the candidate, the nominee that's going to be stepping forward. So go in there and go vet him. See if, see if he's a radical. See if he's crazy. See if the radical is radical to giving you power or if it's radical because he's going to go and, and take off his pants and, and shame the LP like before. I highly doubt that Dan's going to be the latter, right? He's certainly going to be the, the, the guy that's going to be coming out and, and speaking truth and, and just trying to get the government out of your way. So, we came from all the way from certificate of needs to just get get the Republicans out, get the, the Democrats out, because all that they have been doing is growing the government. 
and and maybe it's about time that America stops being so insane. Get rid of the insanity and let's let's actually have change. Let's not vote presidents that say, "Oh, let's hope for change." No, let's let's be let's elect people that are about the change. That would be a much better day in America. Um, I want to I want to shift gears from from kind of the the local politics of South Carolina. I don't want to move over to what's going on in in the world and. Oh, Oh man, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, of course, is um, uh, is making waves, and she's causing a lot of controversies. and And it's amazing the way that she can deflect, and the amazing the way that she can try to turn the optics. It 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 really is a strong resemblance to um, to what President Trump did. Right, because President Trump would get attacked for for this nonsensical thing, or not even nonsensical. He would get attacked for one thing or another, and he would say, "No, that's not why they're attacking me. They're attacking me for this." And now she herself, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, is doing this herself, and it's getting it's 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 really honestly scary, right? It's scary because when you look at when you look at Alexandria Ocasio, or when you look at President Trump. And you say, yeah, he might not have been the greatest selection. He's done some good things. He's done some bad things. But he might not be the greatest guy. And and he won overwhelmingly. Part of that, of course, due to Hillary Clinton being one of the worst candidates ever. Um, but another part was just the way that President Trump handled a lot of these controversies, the way that he handled a lot of these conflicts. And Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has obviously been taking notes. So while she's going through this, right, while she's going through all these these blowbacks between saying um, the Green New Deal was just a, a rough draft that they posted out on their, their frequently asked questions, and say no, it's just it's just a rough draft. That's not the real draft. Despite not actually providing the true draft, despite not giving out the final draft and just leaving it at that, leaving anyone to believe that yeah, that 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 was probably the final draft, and she just got enough eggs on her face that she just she deflected away from it. When she when she comes out and she's talking about it's immoral for for us to to have any more children. Right when she comes out and she says, you know, let's stop eating meat, let's stop, let's stop with the cows, um, it, all of these things, she's able to go. Yeah, they're just afraid of me because I've got power. They're afraid of me because um, because they're sexist, because of this, that, and the other. And and while those of us who are objective, those of us who have been paying attention to this, and we can we can see through these lies, it's really. It's really getting to her base quite a bit, and they're they're accepting it, right? They're loving it. They're they're uh, this is this is the different uh, the different languages between the right and the left, or the liberty and the and and the authoritarians, right? When when she says things like that, we see the control, we see the tyrannical, and and like Spike had, had said. Um, I think it was earlier today on his Facebook page. She really is just a fascist. She's more of a fascist than she is a socialist. Um, we we see that. 
And the difference is that when the left sees that and they see that she's being attacked, it's because she's onto something, right? How often do we see people on our own side saying, look, when you're attacked, when you're being attacked by the other side, it's because it's because you're over the target. It's because you're right there. You're, you're nailing it. And so that's all the left is doing. And we have this giant divide and, and she's gaining support from this. She's gaining support from from just merely sitting there and and taking in all this vitriolic hate from others because instead of actually like breaking it down what we've seen is just character attacks we've seen a lot of character attacks um but she's gaining support by this and and you have to wonder how you have to be concerned really how is this going to affect the 2020 race how is this going to affect um, the future of America is is she going to be enough in order to swing votes and and take the people that she put on the list um, to be primaried out for not standing in line with her and her uh, her fascist uh, demands? Is she going to be able to primary out more Democrats and become an actual majority even within the Democratic Party and be able to really just be the ruler that she claimed to be? Will she be able to take enough Republican seats? Where is this movement going to be going? And this should be this should be a concern for all of us. And I, I how do we solve this? That's going to be the next big thing. How do we solve Um a growing force of people that are divided, of, of people that speak two very wildly different things. Um, and I, it's, it's something I, I want to know from you guys. What do you guys think that we should be doing? How do, how do we combat against something like this? Oh, geez. She just tweeted. Um, welcome in, Spike. Oh, we got Mr. Spike in. Um, how do we combat against the growing momentum that is the left? Um, because whether you're a Republican, whether you're a conservative, whether you're a minarchist, an anarchist, or even a classical liberal, even a regular liberal, right? You should be looking at her and saying, yeah, this is not American. This is not something that is, um, it's not something that we're, will be beneficial for us in the long run. And if I can get this article to pull up, I can't, I cannot. Um, when we, when we break all this stuff down, the end result of all of her, her dealings, all of her ideas is that it is destruction of the economy. It's destruction of commerce, of transporting people, of, of moving around, of, of healthy meals, of, of good meals, of, of meals that you want to eat, of meals that you don't even want to eat. Um, and it, it, we have to find an answer. We have to find a solution. And that's certainly something that I've been racking my head over. And, and I'm sure a lot of you have as well. And, and we got to sit down and, and work through this. Um, it will be, it will be interesting to be able to figure this out. Um, it will be it will be interesting to see how this all plays out. I I hope that enough Americans will be able to look at us and the liberty movement, look at us on the Libertarian Party, um, 
and be able to see that we aren't we aren't fighting to better our team. We're fighting to better the individuals. And 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 I think I was I was talking about this. I hope it was on last Friday. It it might have been it might have been last Tuesday. So on my uh, on my original platform before I joined uh, up with Muddy Media Water or <laughs> Muddy Waters Media. Um, but the idea of of how do you make the collective better, right? Because this is this is one of the notions. This is one of the ideas that the left has, right? They want to make the collective better. And and at the end, at the end of the day, that's what libertarians want, that's what conservatives want, that's want that's what uh liberals want, that's what progressives want. They want to make the collective better. But the problem is is that if you try to make the collective better, you actually make it worse for the individuals. If you make, if you want to make the collective better, you don't go to the end result and try to fix that. You go to the root issue. You go to the root problems. How do you make the collective better? You make the individuals better. How do you make the individuals better? You provide them with less hurdles. You allow them to have more freedom. You allow them to have um, a, a more uh, a more capitalist system, right? Um, and and in that way. You raise up the individuals, which raises up the collective. Um, it's, it's these basic understandings of, of economics, so the basic understandings of how everything functions and works out and how liberty is, is prosperous, not only for the individual, not only for the collective, but, but, for, but for technology, for, for the future development of, of medication, of healthcare, of of services, right? The more competition you have, the more you allow people to come in, the better off you are. These are all things that are contrary to the idea of of how you directly go at the collective to make it better, right? You say, well, we've got poor people and we've got rich people. So if I want to make the collective better, I'll take from the rich and I'll give to the poor. What you've done is you've taken money from the rich, could have been allocated towards businesses, could have made their life better in some way. And you take that and you just give it to the poor people. Now, one of the things, one of the basic truths of of, of being poor, and certainly I've been there, right? I, arguably, I'm still there. Um, one of the basic truths is, is that there's been bad decisions along the way. You've been poorly allocating your money in some way. You've been uh, making bad deals, making bad loans, not been not been properly maintaining your own property or whatever it is, and and so there's been a lot of decisions along the way to lead you to be poor. Now, if I if somebody were to just dump money on me, I would not be in a position to where that would make me no longer poor, right? That might make me into a situation where I pay off a couple bills, I, I get ahead on a couple other bills, I, I you know I, I put it towards myself, but I'm not investing in myself. I'm not investing in the future. I'm just investing in today because I got to catch up, right? Because I'm poor, right? I, this may be a little bit of an exaggeration, but um, because I'm poor, I'm just going to invest in today in order to try to help me out tomorrow. It doesn't make it better, right? Because that money would have been an investment for today and tomorrow had it been in the rich person's hands. And by taking it from the rich, which is an immoral thing, and and giving it to another, you've made the world no better of a place. That poor person will still be dependent upon that money to come back again, to come back again, to come back again. They become reliant and dependent upon the system in which gave it to them. 
And then you get to the other part of the frequently asked questions that was taken out, which was, uh, you know, she's willing to give a universal basic income for those that are un- incapable of working and those that were unwilling. Ooh, yeah, that's right. Unwilling to work. Don't worry. She's got you for the paycheck. She will take care of you. Um, that's it, it. It's that kind of a, a of a logic. That is so important to understand why it is that the Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez plans, the Green New Deal, and and all these other uh, atrocities that she's pushing will not be to the benefit of the people. There is uh, another, speaking of atrocious bills, speaking of of just absolutely disgusting stuff, um, in in a known attempt to just virtue to the base... Uh, Democrats, I want back pay. I've been well in work since 94. <laughs> oh, man. I love this bike. Uh, <laughs> I want back pay. <laughs> uh, but um, in, 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 in surefire fashion, uh, the Democrats put out a bill that was to make sure that they looked like they were ready to go out and and grab the guns. They got to go grab the guns. And this does come from uh the anti second amendment group, the NRA. Um it comes from their legal or their legislative action. So HR8 HR8 was a vote to reveal uh Democrat House leadership values illegal aliens over law-abiding gun owners. So there was a bill um in order to criminalize in order to criminalize otherwise law-abiding citizens for making private sales oftentimes what you'll hear we we heard this a lot during march for our lives we heard this a lot anytime that there's a a um a crisis involving a gun is that the um there needs to be a a, a direct change and to prohibit um, the gun gun show loophole and to ensure that no guns are sold without the government's involvement in, in protection. And, and so this was one of those bills that was moving that way in order to try to make sure that every single transaction with a gun, with a firearm, um, would be, would be required to have a, a background check. And, and so at face value, that may sound like a good thing. There's a there's a couple fundamental problems with this, and and we'll get into where the where the uh, the next underlying issue is, but um, when it comes to saying, look, every gun purchase must be registered, and every single one of them must be susceptible to a background check. Um, what you are then saying is that the government has the right to come into your house and to be able to look to see what guns you have to make sure that every single one of your guns has had that that proper transaction, has had the proper forms, and you've been properly verified by the government in order to obtain each and every one of your firearms. Opening up a whole new rabbit hole. If the bun, if the bump stock ban that was passed by uh, President Trump himself, you know the great legislator in the Oval Office, um, when he wrote the executive order to ban bump stocks, he one of the things that the DOJ and President Trump said was that they weren't going to go out and search for the bump stocks. 
I don't think that that's going to be holding up. I think that once we have a Democrat in office, I think that there's going to be a couple searches, maybe, maybe even another Republican. I don't think it really matters. I think that, you know, there's going to be some official out there that's going to say, yeah, let's go wrap up those bump stocks. Um, and, and if this was to pass, if HR8 was to pass, we would be seeing the same thing. We would be seeing that, well, we're not going to, we're not going to go into your house right now, but it's available. It's, it's, it will be, it will be available for us in the future to be able to go into your house and be able to check out your property and to make sure everything is just up to par. If, if you know, we're just, we, if you don't have anything to hide, it's okay. We'll just come in and check it out. Of course, this, this ignores the Fourth Amendment, right? The right to, to privacy, the right to, um, I can't believe I'm forgetting the words on it. The freedom to to your proper the freedom of pri privacy to your property papers and effects, oh, man. Without unless there's due process with the with oath or affirmation, et cetera, et cetera. Um, there's there's that whole entire rabbit hole is gone, right? The the ability for you to keep and bear arms um, shall not be infringed by the Second Amendment. That's going to be violated because now you got to you know every single one of your transactions must be done. The other big issue with this is not just the fact that, um, not just the fact that every transaction has to do this, but also, let's say Spike wants to come over to my house and he wants to shoot one of my guns. Under that bill, if I'm not with Spike that entire time that he is touching my gun, um, I've performed a felony. I have performed a felony and can spend 10 years in jail. Isn't that sweet? Isn't that so nice? So Spike wants to shoot my gun. I got to go to work. So I'm like, hey, man, here you go. I throw it to him. And uh, off he goes to go to go shoot some targets, shoot some clay, shoot whatever he wants to. Hopefully, not, hopefully, you know, Spike's a good dude. He's not going to go shoot people. We know that. But he'll go and have fun at the range and, and blow some things up. They find out and they look at the serial numbers. And because there's a gun registry and because, you know, the government is the government. They look at that and they go, hmm, we're going to go pick up Jason. And uh, congratulations, Jason Lyon. You are now sitting in jail for the next 10 years. And I believe it was a $100,000 fine. Hope you don't have to pee. <laughs> um, so there's the other huge atrocity. Now, within this bill, there was an amendment that was added to this. And this even got Democrats to flip on this. Um, it was already illegal for illegal immigrants to uh nope uh it was already illegal for illegal immigrants to come in and why did that article go away i'm so mad right now I'm so mad there we go um it was already illegal for illegal immigrants <laughs> sounds redundant um, it's a felony for an illegal alien to possess or receive a firearm. Um, but just prior to the vote on HR, uh, eight representative Doug Collins of Georgia made a motion to recommit the legislation to amend it, to include a provision that would require the, the Nick system, something that I've been, I've been railing against to notify us, uh, immigration and custom enforcement or ice, uh, if an illegal alien attempts to purchase a firearm. So, it's a felony already for them to purchase a firearm. And uh, if they perform a felony, we 
the idea behind this uh, amendment would be to notify ICE and then to start a deportation process, right? For somebody to commit a felony, they want to deport them. Now, whether you agree or disagree with the idea of deportation, right, I guess that's that's where, where the issue would come up. But this was enough to turn off Democrats. It's not a matter of, hey, we're gonna we're gonna have just Jason be thrown into jail for ten years because Spike wanted to shoot his gun. Nah, that's fine. Let let Jason Jason can go sit in jail. That's fine. Put him on the burn of the taxpayer, let him live there for a little while. We'll be he'll be alright. He'll be able to make it through. But when it comes to But when it comes to an illegal alien, right? Somebody who's not uh, didn't go through the vetting process here in America to get here. Um, that 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 is sacred. That right there needs to be protected at all times. Um, exactly. Once a politician who doesn't pretend to be pro-gun is in office, the groundwork for a house-to-house bump stock searches is already laid. Exactly. This is this is in in. I'll finish up with this with this gun bill real quick, and then uh, I, I want to move on from that because that's that's a, a really big point that I was I was thinking through earlier at work today. Um, so when we look at this stuff, it's amazing. So as long as if 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 Republicans want Democrats to not be able to pass a bill, all they need to do is put an amendment in it and say. We're going to do something with ICE. That's enough to get the, the Democrats to stop. How do we stop the Republicans from being able to pass what they want? We really don't know because everything that they want, the Democrats want as well. It, it's really it's really a difficult thing. Um, they're just they're just a little bit slower to getting around to it, right? They're about 30 years behind where progressives of 30 years ago are the conservatives of today. I'm sorry to say that if you're a conservative, uh, but it, it's it's been a tried and true notion. Um, for a lot of people, if that doesn't if that doesn't agree with you, if that's not something you you really um, accept, maybe you're not a conservative. But but nonetheless, um, so the point was is once a politician who doesn't pretend to be pro gun is in office, the groundwork for house to house bump stock searches is already laid. Um, this moves us on over to the the wall exchange right now the wall negotiation the national emergency so the national emergency act is a very vague act in which the president of the united states is able to declare a national emergency and be able to say look there's a national emergency let me go get involved let me go and handle this situation and and use whatever is within my arsenal in order to do because of that terrible stupid idea that Congress wasn't going to be able to to be capable of getting together and be able to to declare the national emergency themselves. They pushed this off onto the president of the United States. And this was in the 20th century, right? This wasn't back in the 1700s. This wasn't in the 1800s. This was in the 20th century, right? Where we could call each other, where we could, you know, it, it was in the 70s, right? You could call, you could get everyone together, you can go take a plane, and everyone can get, get, can get together and you can handle these things but instead because they had that put in place president trump came through and he's like i really want my wall congress isn't doing what i want them to do and um you know it may be unprecedented and he even admit to it at cpac um but 
I think my wall is worth it. So I'm going to set this precedent. I am going to stand here and and take more than what has been afforded to me because I'm not getting my way. And now what we're going to have is just like the the house to house bump stock searches um having that be laid out what we're having laid out right now is that the president of the United States whoever it is whether it's a republican or a democrat and and president trump is boasting that he's going to get elected for the next term but 22nd amendment is still in effect sir um so you're not going to get elected after that so eventually we will have a democrat in office eventually we will have probably a democrat in office whether it's after you or not um but the opportunity for them to go, all right, well, climate change is, is a national emergency. It is threatening the national security of the United States. It's already being said right now by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, by Elizabeth Warren, by Kamala Harris, by uh, Bernie Sanders, by Cory Brooker, by, by Hillary Clinton, by all of these predominant figures on the left. That it just takes one of them to get elected or somebody else to get elected and say, yeah, it's still a national emergency. Now they step in and they're able to throw all kinds of stupid money at it, be able to take things that from the purse of Congress and go, man, you kind of allocated in this way and I'm going to be able to take it from you. And you, what, you, what you're left with is an executive branch that is already able to legislate laws and legislate above and beyond what, uh, what Congress has put forth, but be able to take the purse or the power of the purse and allocate it as they see fit. We are moving closer and closer and closer to a tyrannical government and a tyrannical in the way of a dictatorship in the way of one singular individual being in the Oval Office being enough to to dictate how the rest of Congress functions and how our, our country goes on. Where are where are the liberty people in this country? Right? Where are the people that are willing to stand up and say, This is this is messed up. This is not acceptable. This is not tolerable. Right? I wish that more people that followed Trump were to be able to say, Rand Paul is right. Done. And what people have done, right? When you're a Trump supporter, when you when you believe that Trump is always right. And Rand Paul says, no, I can't support you. I support the president, but I don't support this precedent. I don't support this idea. As you attack and you vilify the person that's standing up for the Constitution, the person that's standing up for a small, limited government, at the same time, well, not at the same time, when just three years ago, when President Obama was in office, you're like, we need a small, limited government. You can't be so inconsistent on everything. the the you can't it's it's not hmm. this this whole entire situation just irks me because consistency is key if you're in favor of a small government even when it's somebody you like you need to maintain the same standards for them a president should be able to act on behalf of america in an emergency it's really difficult when you look at the statistics when you look at the the facts around that situation um of of illegal immigration across the border when it's been going down for decades when it is still on the decline it's really hard to say it's an emergency um when you look at when you look at the specific issues that are being focused on 
Um, is there an easy answer or is there just the wall? Well, the easy answer would be we're already on the path to legalizing a lot of these drugs. Um, legalize all the drugs. Open up a competition. Allow for the market to be able to, to compete um, because if you don't like the cartels, right, a better way – obviously legalizing, making them illegal, these cartels, has not been beneficial for the American people because they're still finding a way and they're still getting in here and they're still doing what they want to do. So you create a comp competition, right? Much like prohibition. When prohibition came around, you had you had cartels that were bringing booze. You had you had uh, people still drinking booze, obviously, and but for some reason, but for some reason, we take that idea and we go, yeah, that's why we gotta have booze. But but this other stuff, but this other stuff, we can't have it. If we want it to be safer, if we want it to be, um, if we want America to be free, if we want less people to be addicted if we want to be able to provide help for those that are addicted or those that would otherwise overdose if we want to make the america better follow the ways of portugal and legalize everything if you want to throw a little tax on it throw a little tax on it and then put it back into into uh recovery and assistance help people get off of it instead of treating them like a criminal let's actually compete and let's actually fight against these these problems that we have It, it, it's so important. It's so important that we look at what the root issue is instead of just saying it's an emergency or it's not an emergency. What are the issues? The issue is, is that there's people coming into the country that we have not been able to vet. Is that a problem? Some people say yes. Some people say no. I think that there 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 is a small issue there. I, I'm my minarchism is definitely standing out on this, but um, I I would love to know who's coming in and into the country. What are the reasons why people are coming in? The why is important. Why are people coming into the country? For drugs, um, human trafficking, for um, you know, sex rings and everything else. How do we how do we combat that? We we accidentally do what Rhode Island did. Rhode Island accidentally um, legalized prostitution. We accidentally legalized prostitution, and now there's there's a com competitor versus uh, human trafficking. The, the competitor, right, a, a safe way to be able to involve yourself with a hooker and, and buy one for for your friend or your coworker who's who's uh, been extra angry lately, right? You could buy one for them and you don't have to go through some shady, shoddy uh, website and, you know, go through Backpage.com and everything else, right? You can go through a legal method. What else? There's people that are fleeing their country. Now, somebody who's fleeing their old country because of, of being attacked or whatever else, uh, drugs won't make America better, and prohibition didn't either. Um, okay, so hold on. I got I to stop on that. So, Lynn, I, 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 know that, I know that we've had this discussion a couple of times, but I want to I have this one here. Um, when we say that drugs are won't make America better. Um, the war on drugs has not made America better in any way, any way, shape, or form. What it has done is destroyed. It has destroyed the lives of, of people who consensually um, interact with a plant or a drug um, by throwing them into, into, into jail, making them reliant upon the taxpayer dollar to keep them alive, to keep them funded, to give them food and shelter. And as a result, when they get out, because they've spent so so much time in jail, that they're no longer a uh, a person that is able to be self-sustaining outside, and then they have to they 
they don't have to, but they do oftentimes resort back to those drugs, and then they they go through this endless, endless cycle of sitting in jail. So that's devastated that life directly, indirectly. So a father gets involved with drugs, and then now his wife, his children are left without a father. So this has led to a uh, a big portion of what has left um, many many families. Um, without a father, right? And and certainly in our society, in our society, the fatherless homes are a huge issue. They're a huge fundamental issue. When you look at school shooters, when you look at mass killers, when you look at, at, at those issues, when you look at somebody that is a, who grew up with a father versus somebody without a father, the, the differences are very stark. Um, when you look at, when you look at the situation as a whole, and you see one person who um, didn't have a father, they're more likely to commit crimes. They're more likely to commit violence. They're more likely to do drugs. They're more likely to be uh, in abusive relationships and oftentimes the abusers. Um, it doesn't make it better. And so the war on drugs is, is, is supporting that. It is supporting more uh, fatherless children, more motherless children. And, and so taking the parental figures out of it is not going to make it better um, because oftentimes it's, it's not just those that are utilizing the drugs, but oftentimes also it's the people that are trying to sell the drugs, trying to make ends meet, trying to pay their rent, trying to pay for food and everything else. And so there's, there's a lot more in this. And, uh, and, and so it's not just simply drugs will make America better, but the absence of the state directly coming and destroying the lives of Americans would be for the betterment. And especially whenever we, we know that there are officers out there that have gone out there and sprinkled some crack on them, Johnny, and, and, or, or just straight up lied about situations in order to be able to press charges against others, right? That is also another thing, right? Having something for merely a possession or a claim to a possession as being a crime is ridiculous in notion because you don't know the motive. You don't know what they were going to do with it. And so I would say that the the war on drugs has been more devastating than drugs will ever be in our country. And, um, and for those reasons, we, we should be moving towards uh, decriminalizing at a minimum. Decriminalize it at a minimum. If you don't want to legalize it, just leave it as, as don't don't push somebody for a crime on it. But you won't have to full on out legalize it and have markets for it. Just don't don't punish people for for consenting with themselves to do something. If somebody's forcing somebody to do drugs, absolutely let's let's go after them. Right? I'm 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 not a fan of, of forcing anyone to do anything. But alright, that we went way off. A stone parent is better than a missing parent? I would say 100% yes. A stone parent will give their kids nice snacks, right? They might not be the most tastiest of snacks, but those are going to be good snacks. A stone parent versus a missing parent. A missing parent does not parent. A missing parent does not teach. A missing parent does not bestow upon that child any values or virtues. And and just because somebody is stoned, right? And and stoned, I'm hoping that I'm using stoned as a, a reference for for marijuana. Um, for stoned, a, per, a parent that is stoned, many parents smoke, 
right? Whether it's for medicinal or recreational purposes, it doesn't mean that the parent is stoned 24-7. It doesn't mean that the parent is stoned while it's around the child. It doesn't mean anything other than the fact that they could be stoned. They can still make good decisions while being stoned, especially when there are people that are functioning, right? They, they may not be driving. They not, may not be going out into society a, a whole lot, but they're out there and they're, they're still, they're still cooking. They're still cleaning. They're still doing whatever it is that, that moves them through life. And so it's not a matter of, or it's, it's a matter of being in someone's life versus not being in their life at all. You can tell which one's more catastrophic, which one is going to be more damaging. Um, but I I don't I don't really know where else to go with that other than just the idea that um, there there should never be a victimless crime right a victimless crime is an oxymoron because without a victim how can there be a crime without a victim who can say I've been wronged you can talk about indirect but but there's no direct and the without a direct victim right. It's really difficult to get on the notion that it's uh, it's for the better. Hello, Candace. Welcome in, Candace. Uh, shout out to Taryn Turks, mom and him. <laughs> um, it, it, it's I don't know. The war on drugs has just been so catastrophically devastating to so much of America, and and I would implore if if this is not something if, if I've not been compelling to you in any way. Um, I hope that the one thing that you'll do is is go look at Portugal, see what they did. The basic premise of what Portugal did was they legalized all drugs. That's right, heroin, methamphetamines, uh, Molly, you call it, they got it, right? And so they would open these up, these clinics, where you could go in and you could go inject yourself, smoke it, do whatever you wanted to do, and they put a tax on it. So you would go in and you would, Get your high. You'd have a good time. That money would come back and it would go into assistance programs. It would go into dependency programs to where if you wanted to get away, if you wanted to get away from drugs, you wanted to get off the addiction, you didn't want to use it so much, you could go to these clinics and get help. They would reduce. Uh, they would they would fight against your habits and, and make you clean again. And... And as a result from this, right, to where the market was providing, right, the actual market, the, 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 the legal market, if you will, they were providing the drugs, they were providing a safe space, and they were providing a way out. As a result from this, in Portugal, what you saw was less dependency. You saw less addiction rates, you saw less overdoses, and you even saw less people using overall. So just merely legalizing it and allowing for the market to do what it does it bettered Portugal. And and this is one of those things where maybe on full scale it might not work the same here in America, but I think that the the logic and the gist of it would still be the same. We might not have the same extreme um, swing and change, but I'm sure it would still be better nonetheless than what we have here in America. Um, <coughs> I got one more one more topic, and then uh, I'm going to bounce out of here. Um, the number is up on up there on the screen. If you guys want to do call in, if you guys got something you want to say, if it's on any of the topics we've talked about already tonight, or if uh, you got something else you guys want to say, um, feel free to call out or call in. The phone number is 802-671-5328. 
Um, feel free to call in. I've got the phone here ready waiting for you. Um, but the last topic. Wait, what? All right, I I can't I can't even. Uh, so I was scrolling to to grab the article, and I want to I want to read this headline to you guys and and leave you guys in suspense on if this is true or not, um, or how how true it is. Alexandria Ocasio Cortez and her chief of staff could be facing jail time if their control over P or over the pack was intentionally hidden. Hmm. Hmm. Could the girl in charge that we've been yelling at from the cheap seats? Be heading to a jail cell? Doubtful. Doubtful. Why do I say doubtful? Because we never hold any of our elected uh, officials or politicians accountable. Um, so the last thing I wanted to bring up to you guys and the last thing I, I really wanted to uh, to discuss was... Um... <laughs> Don't you love it when you blank on this stuff? Um, I knew it had to do with like Elizabeth Warren and all them. Really sucks. It really sucks when I forget it. Talked about Rand. We talked about Trump. Talked about the wall. This is this is this is when it gets brutal, guys. This is if you guys are ever gonna get into podcasting, you're ever gonna get into video showing, <laughs> the best thing you could do is to not work off of a toaster and actually have all your pages up and up and running before you do this. Um I'm not able to even find it. So with that, guys, I guess I, I'm not going to have another topic for you guys. I apologize. I'm wasting your time uh, for the last 30 seconds. Um, I do owe Spike five seconds from last night from a little meeting we had. So I owe you 65 seconds. I owe everyone else 60 seconds. You guys want to take it out of me. You guys let me know when you guys want it. I'll give it back to you guys. Um, but with that, guys, um, we're going we're gonna to get this toaster up and running. We're going to get it running properly. Um, I gotta, I gotta help myself, and I'm gonna be helping out Spike just as well. Um, almost zero percent. Yes, uh, we'd have a similar positive change that happened when prohibition ended. Yes, absolutely. School choice. So we did talk about school choice a little bit um, in the very, very beginning, but um, basically the premise that we're having here in in South Carolina, um, and certainly this is applicable for you as well, is that there's two bills that are coming up for for a debate uh, between our legislators you have uh, you have h3202 and you have h3681 now h361 is one that is being sponsored by a lot more republicans and this is actually just a way um I've, i i got this highlighted and and in here if you see like a little small like one word that's being highlighted it's committee and so this is the government ran bill, and I believe it's 45 times that they talk about a committee having the control over this. And the ways that these committees are, are collected and, and set up is the government decides on who's going to run the committees, and the committees are kind of self-ran from there. So government has control over this. Uh, it sounds an awful lot like the way that our roads are done with Hugh Leatherman, right? Hugh Leatherman is one of our, our uh, senators here in the state. And he says, I'm going to be head of the DOT. And so my son-in-law is head of a construction company. He's going to be in charge. And all that is left is his son makes a butt ton of money. He gets to make some, some blowback, I'm sure. And uh, the corruption keeps moving on. With South Carolina being 49th 
in the country for education, right? Just just abysmal ratings. I'm not interested in giving them more power with H uh, 3681. What I am interested in is getting that power entirely out of of their hands. And so, um, one of these is H thirty two hundred two, which is from Representative uh, Jason Elliott. Uh, this was filed in December of last year, and this one is one of the uh, – this is a school choice in which you have private. So the money is taken publicly, right? It's taken from from the normal ways that money is taken from your uh, your private – or not your private, your property taxes, your road taxes, and uh, this tax and that tax and every other tax – and, and goes into the government, and the government then funnels it to these private organizations, and the private organizations are, are functioning in the way that they hopefully will, will be running better for the people. And and as a result from this bill that, uh, that I'm specifically talking about and um, from Jason Elliott is that even the homeschoolers are going to be uh, at an advantage. So what you would normally get... So the way that it works with with public school right now, or with the way our schooling system is right now, is that your geographical location determines on where you take your child, right? I live right up the road from from the school that my daughter goes to, and that's the only school that I'm allowed to take her to. Go back to Periscope, please. Uh, Lynn, we're trying to get that right. We're trying to get that fixed. Um, But... We try to go back to the, or we have to take her to that school. Now, if school choice was to come into effect, um, then we would be able to say, look, I want to take my daughter to this school. I want to take her to that school. I might have to fix that transportation. I might have to provide that transportation, but it's still there. I can I can make that decision as as an American citizen, as somebody that has the, the right to free travel, to be able to do with my life as I see fit, and to do with my daughter's life as, as I see fit until she becomes an adult. With school choice, right? With the private school choice, not not the public one, but the private one. If I determine I want to give bring her to a school across the state, and I take her there every day, they get a hundred percent of the money that would normally be allocated to her. Um, oh, that was the, that was the the other qualifier. Um, so when I take her to the school, she automatically gets a check that follows her. So she. The school gets paid because she goes to that school and, and everything's right as rain. So mandated, that school gets money. When it comes to school choice, right, the money that would have followed her to the school right down the road would then instead go to the school that she goes to. Much better idea. Within this bill, let's say I say I don't trust the schools. I don't trust the government to run the schools in the way that the, the, the schools that are best for my child, for my values, for my principles, and everything else. So I would like to provide my own education or be the governor over how the education comes about. Well, within this bill, you would get 80%, 80% of that money. Instead of it going to some school, it then goes to the parents. And so now you have not only more control over your child's life over their education but you're also being supported and so this is a way for us to pull away from government this is a way for us to be able to have more control <coughs> over the values virtues and in, in um 
goals for our child, our children's lives. And so giving that power back to the people is always going to be a better thing. It's always going to be uh, more beneficial for us to be able to dictate our own lives. Now, does that mean every child is going to be better off? Of course not. Of course not. But it's the idea of liberty. It's the idea of freedom. This is what we should be striving for because even if you're not the best teacher, even if you don't know the best ways of teaching, um, <clears throat> competition makes schools better. Exactly. Um, even if you aren't able to provide this, you will have the money from that 80% to be able to go out and, and get um, better materials, better uh, teaching schedules. Um, you can get a tutor. You can get a lot of things with that money to be able to provide that for yourself or to provide that for your children. And I think that hands down, I, I, I'm struggling to find a reason why school choice would not be better than than the status quo. And, and it irks me, it bothers me that right now we're having such a controversy because the government supports the government one. Of course they do. And it's this, it's this very notion that I hope that more people will wake up, that the government's not there in our best interest, it's there in its own best interest. It's... Uh, it needs to be handled and needs to be handled quickly. But but with that, guys, um, I hope you guys all have a great night. Um, I'm going to hop off here. The Tomorrow night, tomorrow night, you have coming on here on Muddy Waters of Freedom, you have the actual guys. You have Spike and Matt coming back um, to talk about the to, – to peruse through the recent events and those topics. Um, it'll be a good time. Of course, make sure you guys come in there. It's always, uh, always filled with laughter and a good time. Uh, great information, of course, from Spike and Matt sharing out everything on, on Wednesday. Let me, uh, let me make sure I'm not butchering that name either. Um, Jake Dorsch, who is co-author of Igniting Liberty. Jake Dorsch is going to be on with uh, spike on my fellow Americans. So make sure you guys tune in for that. And then on Thursday, Thursday is going to be another great night. This is going to be uh, the writer's block with Matt and he's going to have on Dan Berman. Dan Berman is the 2020 libertarian presidential hopeful. So hopefully we'll be seeing a big LP, um, not another flop like what we saw from Gary Johnson and, and, and moving forward to liberate the American populace. Um, but with that guys, Thank you guys so much for being here tonight. Thank you for Muddy Waters Media for allowing me to come on here and speak my speak my words and, and use use the platform. With that, I will see you guys all. The next time I'll be going live, next time I'll be with you guys is going to be to wrap up the week and what's gone on this week, um, Friday night. So hope you guys all are well. Look forward to seeing you guys in the comments and everything else throughout the week. I'll be tuning in. And uh, I'll see you guys on Friday. I am Mr. Murka, the Bearded Truth, Jason Line. Thank you all. Have a great night.